1: Hello and welcome to New Solo on Legal Talk Network. My name is Adriana Linares. I'm your host. I'm a legal technology trainer and consultant. I'm normally based out of Orlando, Florida, but this week I have the pleasure of being in New Orleans. Before we introduce today's topic, I want to make sure and take a moment to thank our sponsor, Solo Practice University. Please make sure to visit their website and learn more about what they have to offer. Today, I'm very excited to have run into Michael Downey. A couple weeks ago, I was at the uh, ABA mid-year meeting. He's the former chair of the ABA's Law Practice Division. He and I know each other pretty well from our work with that division together. He let me in on a little secret that he was going out on his own. He was going to become a new solo. I invited him to come out on the show and tell us about what he's gone through, what he's going through, and what his big plans are for being a solo. Hey,
2: Michael. Well, welcome. Thank you.
1: I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy day, especially considering what you've done. Before I get into asking you questions about um, being a solo, tell me a little bit about yourself so our listeners know who they're listening to.
2: Sure. I've been practicing for about 15 years, and I'm located in St. Louis, Missouri. Most of my time has been spent at large firms. In fact, I have been at, at three different AMLA 200 firms, and most recently was with a 240 lawyer firm based here in St. Louis. I did spend a little bit of time at a 10-lawyer firm, and for about the past decade, my practice is focused on representing lawyers and law firms in legal ethics matters, risk management issues, and also representing lawyers in disciplinary proceedings.
1: And then you decided that you might have a go at being out there on your own. What made you decide to do that?
2: I think it was a lot of things. Part of my work, I, I actually teach a couple of law school classes on legal ethics and law firm practice. As you mentioned, I was chair of the ABA Law Practice Division, and so I spent a lot of time talking to people about how law firms can do things better uh, with regard to technology and management and serving their clients. And so that was certainly part of it. I was fortunate as a child. My father actually started his own accounting firm. So I had really entered the practice of law, seeing it as, as a profession and certainly a valuable thing to do, but also as something of a business. And I always looked at that. And frankly, also, I really looked at my own practice and thought that it would be a very good practice to have a small independent firm as opposed to trying to fit it into a larger firm where sometimes, frankly, it didn't fit all that smoothly.
1: So the first question I have for you is, once you decided to go out on your own, did you decide to expand your practice areas? Or are you going to stick to that sort of niche area of legal ethics and and, and other stuff?
2: The short answer is that I'm really sticking to the, to the niche area. I have enough business that I will be bringing with me that I know I can certainly support myself in it. I think I'm anticipating that there will be clients that previously didn't want to call a large firm, either because they thought it would be expensive or they were afraid that people would find out that they were in trouble. And I'm hoping to get more of those people. And frankly, also, I really saw it as an opportunity to to sort of fill in the space that I was already in instead of expanding. So I expect, for example, to do a little bit more adverse to law firms and lawyers, things like a little bit more plaintiffs' legal malpractice work and that type of thing that a larger firm was frankly a little hesitant to do.
1: That's great. Well, that's very interesting. And tell me then, all right, so you decided to go on your own. You decide you're going to stick to what you know, keep working on your niche. What was the first thing you did when you said you woke up that next morning and said, okay, today's the day I get ready to go out on my own. Today's the day I start. What was the first thing you did?
2: Well, I, I was actually very fortunate. I, I knew that one of the big places to start with me was to build the marketing and business development apparatus of the new firm. So I actually contacted a couple of friends that I know through the ABA Law Practice Division, who are focused on marketing, and I started to talk to them about, if I am going to do this, what are the types of things that I want to do to get ready? Um, And obviously, part of that would be the typical things with transferring clients to a new practice, but I was more concerned with how do I build out my practice? And the couple of pieces of advice that I got from them were, I publish a lot, I've written about 100 articles, and they said, get your publications in order so you'll have them readily available and really work on getting a good mailing list together so that you could use that to broadcast your practice as well. And I should add that this is something I've considered, frankly, for a long time. And so I had done a number of other things, for example, really building out my LinkedIn connections and doing some other steps to sort of build out that part of my marketing and business development. And then, frankly, the last thing that I did sort of right away was I started to look online uh, at, at business entity names and also at uh, websites, at URLs to see what was available to make sure that I could get good real estate in, in the digital world uh, for my new practice.
1: Well, right. Of course, that's definitely one of the first things you have to do. So what is the URL that you went with?
2: Uh, I went with law Great.
1: And then, so when you were doing that, did you have sort of a list of words and ideas? So Downey Law Group, Downey Law Office, Law Office St. Louis Downey, how did you work through the process of deciding, sort of breaking it down to what it was going to end up being?
2: I searched actually through one of the online search engines that allows you to see if websites have been taken. And since Downey's a relatively common name and lots of Downey's become lawyers, I had to find a good opening there. So I reserved a couple of sites related to that. And frankly, also, for a while, I wasn't sure if I would actually use something like Downey Law Group as really just for a law firm, or whether instead I would call my practice something like Downey Legal Ethics. So, I grabbed that site as well, and then I grabbed a number of other sites. And then, frankly, I would periodically be doing something else. I'd be reading a book or talking or watching television, and I'd get an idea like, you know, I should have this website. And so, I think actually I purchased about 16 or so websites, uh, which the good news is they're only $10 a piece.
1: Right. I, um, I think that happens to all of us once we start buying domain names, we become domain hoarders. <laughs> I mean, I think I have about 50 or 55 domains registered, um, many of which I don't use, but I certainly point back toward my main website. Did you do that?
2: You know, I'm in the process of doing that, yes. And frankly, I also expect that once things get going, I'll probably let some of the, you know, as I said, 16 or so names expire. And actually, I did have one, uh, I had a clever idea that I grabbed the the, uh, website and then a major defense contractor's intellectual property counsel contacted me and said, do you really want to use that? And I said, no. So I backed down. There was a potential trademark fight that wasn't oh, going Oh, interesting, right.
1: All right, so you talked to a bunch of uh, colleagues and friends and, and trusted relations in the business and said, how do I get started with my marketing? You developed and put together, or you had been working already on a good marketing list. You updated your LinkedIn. You got a domain name that suits the practice. You got a website built, then I take it? yes. And do you want to tell us a little bit about what that process was like? How does a lawyer get a law, a website built?
2: Sure. Most of the sourcing for my law firm, has, I like to say, is either local, local, or national. A lot of the instances I use companies that are very close. When I actually decided to, to open my own practice, one of the things I decided to do was I wanted an office within walking distance of my house. And I, I actually have accomplished that. I now have about a 10-minute walk to get to the new office. And... So in in that context, for example, when I looked at banks and when I looked at printers and things, I looked very locally. With regard to my website design company, though, I really decided that I wanted to use a national company. And part of that was I I advised a lot of other lawyers in starting their firms, and a lot of them had used a particular company and really recommended that company. And so I felt very good about going with that company and contacted them and retained them to design my website.
1: Oh, that's very good. And then did they design your logo for you as well? Because I'm looking at your business card. I have it right here. Did they design your logo for you as well?
2: They did not. The logo was actually designed by a very good friend of mine who lives about three or four blocks from me. We were actually Cub Scout uh, leaders together, and I knew he was a graphic designer and asked him if he wanted to do some work on the side. And he's designed my business cards and my stationery, um, my logo, my mailing labels. It's amazing envelopes. It's amazing how many things I've needed and actually... um, I communicate with him almost daily right now, trying to get loose ends wrapped up. He's he's been excellent.
1: That's great. All right, so we got marketing. We got a mailing list. We got collateral. We've got a website. You've got an office just a few minutes from your house. That's great. How did you, any tips for our lawyers that are listening about uh, making sure you get the right office space? Any things that you learned specifically that you hadn't thought of about procuring an office?
2: Oh, I think I've learned a million things. Um, I knew the location, which frankly made it relatively easy. And... So I was really targeted on one small area. Interestingly enough, there, while there is a fair amount of commercial space there, um, it was it's very hot. It's a very hot area, so there's not a, a lot of space available. And because there was not a lot of space available, I quickly figured out that I had to, to really watch what was going on. I used a number of websites to see what space became available um, and really sort of tracked properties. I also um, had some friends that had visited businesses in some of the buildings that I was thinking of using, And one of them, for example, mentioned that there's a a very large health clinic in one of the buildings that does great work but, frankly, creates horrible traffic and parking problems. Um, So a building that I originally thought would be one of my top choices, I ended up not even pursuing at all. And I visited a number of properties uh, informally and actually also knew some landlords and went out to lunch with those landlords and said, hey, if you have space, let me know. Um, It was Mm. actually through a friend that I found the office space I I ultimately went with.
1: Well, that's very good. And you furnished it. What did you do as far as infrastructure when it comes to phone lines and technology and Internet connection? How did you get all that put together?
2: The space that I took over had a prior tenant that was a job placement business. And so there was already a lot of that technology available. Um, There are things, and actually the space is still in the process of being finished. And I I will, for example, put a uh, video monitor on the wall because I'll use that with some of my client meetings and also some of the work that I do. Um, But a lot of the actual sort of wiring was already there. And the building's 140 years old, so there's a lot of restrictions on what we can really do, uh, for example, with the outside space.
1: Well, that's great. Before we move on to our next segment, we're going to take a quick break to hear a message from our sponsors.
0: Ready to create and build your own solo or small firm practice? Need a nuts and bolts education on the 360 degree experience of starting a business? There is only one online destination dedicated to helping you achieve your goals. Solo Practice University. The only online educational and professional networking community dedicated to lawyers and law students who want to go into practice for themselves. More than 1,000 classes, 58 faculty and mentors, What are you waiting for? Check out solopracticeuniversity.com today.
1: Welcome back to New Solo. I'm Adriana Linares and with me today is Michael Downey. He's telling us about what it took to get himself all set up and running as a new solo out there in St. Louis, Missouri. So Michael, right before we went on break, you had told us about procuring your space and and that it already had an internet connection in there and it was pretty much set up that you're getting ready to buy a big monitor to put on the wall to use uh, during meetings. What about practice management and document management? Did you end up going with any uh, particular tools or products? You spend some time studying those products? What did you decide to do as far as technology for managing your caseload and practice?
2: Well, I was fortunate. One of the nice things about being the chair of the law practice division was that I was at Tech Show last year. Mm -hmm. And since I kind of had an inkling that I was going to do this, I spent some time with the exhibitors and talked to them about their products and tried to test things out. When I really made the decision that I was going to to go on my own, I actually took advantage of virtually all of the, the major online law practice management software programs. We'll give people free trials. And so I created accounts and then I created fake uh, client matters. And I would email myself as if I were a client to see how it looked from the client side of things,
0: mm.
2: how it looked from the lawyer side of things. And frankly, really played around with with a number of the different services for several weeks.
1: That's great. That's the best way to do it. And, you know, I find that most clients of mine and most attorneys, they really don't take the time to do that. So they'll just sort of pick one. And either they end up loving it because they got lucky, or they end up not liking it because it didn't have certain features that they wanted and they didn't know it till they got, till they sort of dove in and really started using it. Do you mind telling us which one you picked?
2: Sure, I ended up going with Clio.
1: Great. That's, of course, one of our favorites. I feel like there are so many great options for attorneys today that you almost can't go wrong, but I really admire you for having taken all that time to really put them through the, uh, through the punches and making sure you picked one that you like. All right, so you've got your technology picked out. Did you go with a desktop, a laptop, or both?
2: Um, I actually went with both, and, and I had decided I was going to be in Apple Office. So
1: Ooh. I'm using Apple Computer. Okay, so you decided to go Mac.
2: And, and one of the advantages that I had, of course, also, was that I knew people wrote, that wrote books like How to Run Your Law Office with a Mac. So I would contact them and say, hey, am I crazy to do this? Right. <laughs> um, of course, they said no.
1: Well, certainly there are plenty of lawyers that are successfully running their law offices with Macs, on Macs, and surrounded by Macs. And of course, with um, a product like Clio and many other web-based products out there, they're browser and device agnostic. So as long as you take the time to learn how to use those programs, the platform that you're putting them on and using them on isn't going to be a a big hang-up at all. All right, so let's see. We've got website, office infrastructure, technology. What about maybe PR, marketing? You said you, you had your articles all put together. What are you doing with those to get the word out?
2: Well, and, and part of it is that I, I publish several articles a month, and so part of it is just the normal flow. As the articles would come through, I would make sure that my new firm and, and new contact information would be on there. I also, frankly, was very fortunate. That I have connections with some of the local legal newspapers and actually had a call uh, yesterday from one of the legal newspapers where they interviewed me and uh, ended up running a story about me starting my firm and another lawyer moving into a new position. We had once been at the same firm. So that was wonderful publicity. And really it's also just even looking at things like I went on LinkedIn and updated my profile and did a very detailed update. And because I had really been building my LinkedIn platform the last few years, I have about, I think I have 2,100 or 2,200 connections. And within 72 hours, I've had over 300 visitors visit my new LinkedIn profile Get a lot of positive comments and a lot of, frankly, invitations to lunch and those types of things.
0: Oh, that's um, I'm great. I'm
2: probably going to do some actual traditional advertising, and I'm also in the process of getting a mailing ready to go. Um, I mentioned my website's not quite done, once my website is done, I'll probably send a mailer to about 2,000 lawyers. And for me, lawyers really are my target audience, and so mm-hmm. it's easy for me to figure out where to send those cards.
1: No, that's really good. And have you thought about how you're going to network? Are you going to have a, a specific referral system, network? Are you like, What are you going to do as far as you know tapping into into your, your network, whether it's through LinkedIn or your local network? Do you have a plan for that?
2: You know, I do. I do a lot of speaking already. Um, I'm planning actually to, to organize some events for people that would be sort of within my target area um, and provide them with continuing legal education credits and, you know, things like using LinkedIn to really make sure that as, as new people come on board, I have another lawyer that I'll be working with. Um, so once I, I'm not officially announcing him at the outset, although he's there in place. He's actually uh, going to be announced a little later, so we get sort of staggered news coming out.
1: Oh, that's a smart way to go at it.
2: And doing things like that. So the, the, the thinking that I have is I'd like to have, you know, it would be better to have six small communications than one big communication about the new firm.
1: Right. That makes sense. A little uh, marketing strategy there. So you're going to have help from another attorney. Are you going to have an assistant?
2: Yes, I've actually done some interviewing and I think we're going to have a a paralegal assistant. Uh, Hopefully someone will be part-time, but to do Mm -hmm. a lot of work. And frankly, also, I'm using a lot of uh, outsourcing. I've outsourced my receptionist function. I'm going to outsource a lot of my bookkeeping activity um, and things like that. Really, as they say, letting people who Their front office is my back office uh, doing those types of things.
1: Was that something that you really had to think hard about, whether or not—did you say to yourself, like most of us do, well, I can handle it, and then have to sort of talk your way out of trying to do it all yourself, or did your trusted advisors talk you into that?
2: You know, my trusted advisors, plus, frankly, the the amount of work and time that I spent teaching others about starting law firms, I really realized— that there was a lot of sense to doing it. And I represent lawyers who've had trust account problems. Mm. So I really had to make sure that, for example, the financial end of my firm was operating properly. And I have to say, sort of the last straw with the receptionist, I was really thinking about it. And one day while at my former firm, I actually got three sales calls in a row. And I thought, okay, I've just wasted about half an hour talking to salespeople. Uh, And that half an hour would basically pay for the receptionist. Um, You know, if if they can take care of three salespeople a month, I'm coming out ahead on that one.
1: Oh, for sure. Is there any particular piece that we haven't talked about or that I haven't thought of to ask you that you feel is really important for someone who's thinking about doing this to hear from you?
2: Sure. You know, the one thing that I will say is that I think I did actually somewhat cleverly and, and really was helpful. I did have a business plan and I do have a business plan that I'm using that sort of talks about where to focus my practice. But what I actually thought was perhaps the best thing I did was I went ahead and created the entity that I am ultimately moving into about three or four months ago. And in doing that, it allowed me to get an EIN number, it allowed me to get bank accounts, it -hmm. allowed me to do a lot of sort of that sort of financial infrastructure. So when I did open the firm, I had a lot of those things in place. And that was really, frankly, very helpful, more helpful than I would have thought. And Mm. what I actually did was I, it was not originally called Downey Law Group, it was DL Group. And obviously, I'm just renaming it over so it will become Downey Law Group.
1: And then. One last thing that I'm sort of wondering, as you mentioned, you know, you were doing this work ahead of time while you were obviously still working at your big law firm. Did you tell anyone there? Did you tell them? How did you decide, you know, did you say, hey, guys, I'm leaving in three months? Or did you sort of do all this in the background, get all your ducks in the row, and, and then give notice? Like, what can you tell us about that process?
2: The ethics rules allow lawyers to – the ethics rules and fiduciary obligations allow lawyers to do preparation work as long as they don't solicit employees or clients. And so I really did the preparation work in the background. The firm that I was at had become a little inconsistent as to whether they would escort people out right away if they knew they were leaving or let them stay. And I wasn't sure how much time they would give me after I gave
0: notice. Mm
2: -hmm. Um, So I kind of made sure that things were in place. Now, when I ultimately did give notice, they were very nice, and I stayed about 30 days beyond that notice and, and had plenty of time. Um, but I wasn't sure how things would work out. So I, I wanted to be prepared. If they said to me, you need to leave now, I needed to be ready to serve my clients immediately. And particularly with, with the practice that I have, I have clients that literally need help you know, every day. Um, so I can't sure. say, oh, I'll get back to you in six weeks.
1: Right. And how do you go about either taking your clients with you or leaving clients behind? Tell our listeners about that process.
2: You know, The firm had a, a departing lawyer protocol, and I, I knew that the clients that I had worked with really were people that were likely to be loyal to me. There wasn't anyone else at the firm that did the exact work that I did at the level I did, so I felt pretty safe there. Um, I was very careful to go ahead, and, and their protocol called for joint notice to be sent, and it was sent. And I also knew that I could reach out to clients after I was on my own and call them up, and, and to the extent that I wanted things uh, to go with me, I could probably, frankly, bring a lot of that with me. I was very careful also to say nothing derogatory about the firm sure. and trust they did the same. And uh, there was actually the, one of the things that I frankly thought would help my departure was I really said to the firm, I'm looking at going on my own. I'm going to be close to my house. It's going to be a small office. My space is frankly very small. Um, I don't want to do all the things that a 230 lawyer firm does. And so there were actually matters that I told them I was leaving behind, that I told the clients, frankly, I mm-hmm. really can't service you very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, I even got some calls sort of as I was getting ready to walk out the door where there were matters where I thought it would be good for the firm, but not good for my new firm. And I actually brought other partners in and made sure that the work stayed behind.
1: Oh, that's great. Well, I'm sure your clients were grateful for that as well as, you know, the firm. It's definitely one of those things where you don't want to burn any bridges. You want to keep building it so that you're able to help each other when it's right. So overall, when you look back now, you know, you're, you're in your office, it's done, How much do you think it costs you to get all this done and up and running? That's a question that I know our listeners are always very curious about. How much does stuff cost? Is it possible financially for me to actually go out on my own? Can you talk to us a little bit about that?
2: Well, sure. And I think one of the biggest things that I would say, the advantage that I had with having a practice that I plan to continue was I could really sit back and look and say, okay, what do I need? And... One of the things that I said very quickly is I need an office where people can actually go. I couldn't do it out of my house because if someone's facing losing their license, they want to know that they've got a real lawyer. So I needed that space. I, need, I frankly was benefited by not having something in a major financial area because people that visit me don't want everyone to know that they're visiting me. So hmm. there were places where I knew I could save money. There were places where I knew I couldn't save money. Um, my office is actually, I frankly did basically a gut rehab on the space new flooring, new tiling, new carpet, new walls, new paint, really everything. And with all the technology and everything, I'm probably looking at a physical plant expense of about, it, it, all the numbers haven't come in yet, but probably about
1: 22000 mm-hmm. or so. Yeah, um, I was going to guess about, probably so like,
2: $20,000. Yeah, and I've got some website expenses and those types of things. And, and part sure. of what I was also able to do, a lot of the providers will give you discounts if you, you know, pay for the first year and those type of arrangements. And not all the discounts are so large that it makes sense. I didn't want to take on a huge amount of debt and then basically have to work my way out of it. But I did try to be judicious in when I was prepaying on things and when I wasn't.
1: Oh, that's great. Well, unfortunately, it looks like we've reached the end of our program. Do you have any closing thoughts or comments that you want to make sure our listeners hear?
2: You know, I I would just say definitely something I think careful planning was worth it. They always, you know, say if you're going to cut down, if you have 10 hours to cut down a tree, spend nine hours sharpening your (laughs) axe. And I definitely felt like the planning that I did was really worthwhile. Uh, I'm glad also that I was willing to take the plunge and it's, fun to see my name on the door and on the business cards and talk about people as my, my employees and say, you know, I'm going to try to do this a little differently than it's yeah. been done before and try to do it right. And there's a lot of, frankly, excitement to it. So I'm looking forward and I certainly hope I, you know, I said now it's, you know, sink or swim on my terms and I certainly hope I, I make it swimming through the first year.
1: I'm pretty sure you're going to be just fine. Tell our listeners how they can get a hold of you, how they can visit your website, how they can keep in touch with you.
2: Absolutely. Um, As I mentioned, the the website is DowneyLawGroup.com and uh, Downey is D-O-W-N-E-Y. My email is mdowney at DowneyLawGroup.com. And one of the things I actually decided to do was to get a toll-free number. So my toll-free number is 844-961-6644.
1: That's great. Thank you so much for your time, Mike. Really appreciate it. This content has been so valuable. I know our listeners are really going to appreciate it. For all you listeners who would like more information about what you've heard today, please make sure to visit New Solo at LegalTalkNetwork.com. Don't forget, you can also follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Keep an eye on things through RSS and iTunes. That brings us to the end of our show. I'm Adriana Linares. Thank you for listening. Join us next time for another episode. And remember, you're not alone. You're New Solo.